0: at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson.
1: The scripture reveals two types of people, those who are kingdom-minded and those who are worldly-minded. And we should begin with a question, and that is, which type are you? And you need to answer that honestly. Are you pursuing the things of the kingdom or the things of this world? See, the philosophy of the world is to get all you can now in this life because time is running out. People of that philosophy feel a pressure, an anxiety. They have a fear of time because they know they're coming to an end. But those of us who understand kingdom truth, we understand that time is on our side. Because with more time, God is going to bring about a kingdom change. That's what we're looking for. And that kingdom change, which is a good change, is going to be an eternal change. So we love where we're going towards it might be a difficult journey but when we arrive there's going to be eternal joy eternal contentment that inner peace where god is going to minister to us and we're going to be brought into a situation where there's no more sickness no more sorrow no more tears no more death but rather simply being recipients of the good promises, the good blessings of God. So again, which type of person are you? When we are of the kingdom type, God's gonna do something for us because we have connected with the Savior, Messiah Yeshua, Jesus Christ. The scripture says that God is going to impart the mind of Messiah to us. We're gonna think very differently from the world and we're going to demonstrate with the mind of messiah the right objectives the right decisions we're going to pursue those things that are pleasing to god the bible speaks about such a person that his life or her life is hidden in messiah and it will only be when messiah returns to establish that kingdom then what our life is really about, is going to appear. In other words, the world can't see us as we're going to be. But we're going to be vastly different. Why? Because we're going to experience the outcome, the results of being kingdom-minded. So my hope is this, that you are of the right type, a person that you are basing your life upon the right philosophy. Well, with that stated, let's take out our Bibles and look to the book of Psalms and Psalm 49. The book of Psalms and Psalm 49. Now, this is a longer Psalm, but it has great implications. And it's only when we take the wisdom that we see in this Psalm and apply it to our life, then and only then, are we going to be changed? That we're going to have a testimony that is indeed a praiseworthy testimony, one that God is is pleased with, one that brings his activity, the anointing of the Holy Spirit into our life. So once again, the book of Psalms are extremely, each psalm is extremely practical. Notice what it says here. First and foremost, we have that inscription where it says, La to the chief music director, the orchestra leader, the one who's leading the worship with this psalm. It says that this is a psalm by the sons of Korach. They were the authors. And the sons of Korach, they are a Levitical family. That is, they were called to assist others in worshiping God and living a life that is worshipful, one that is subjected to the truth of God. So it's not by accident that this is written by the sons of, of a Levitical family. Secondly, we see this is in the second part of verse 1 in most of your Bibles, actually verse 2 in the Hebrew text, where it says, zot," which means, hear this. And this is not a suggestion, it comes in a command, meaning you need to hear this, and the word for hear also implies the necessity of responding to it. Hear this so that you can respond properly. And who's being addressed? Notice what it says, koha amin, all the peoples, everyone. You're going to see that this psalm is written, especially in the first few verses, in a most Inclusive way meaning this, it has relevance for all people. Did you hear that? It has relevance for every human being, and that's why it says, Hear this, all the peoples, and then it says, Hear, but it's a different word. It's a word that we find the word ear in the midst of it, it means give ear to. It's another synonym for for listening, hearing. But what's unique about this word is the demands that one draws close to. That is to give special attention to what's being revealed. So he says, hear this, you need to respond. And because it's such important fact that you respond properly, that you need to pay attention, that you need to draw close. And who's this being addressed to? It says, "Kol yoshvei Khalid. Khalid is the world. In a very large, broad sense, the earth. In other words, so whether we're talking about all the peoples or all the inhabitants of the earth, once more, it's not exclusive. It's not for this person, but not that one. It's for all of humanity, and that's going to be underscored in the next verse, where it says, "Gam bnei Adam." Bnei is a word for sons of or children of, and the next word is a word adam or adam it's a word which simply means man but then it also says also b'nai ish the sons of and it uses a synonym for the word adam it's the word ish another word which means man so again in two ways the psalmist is saying this is to you humanity and it's really to all Of humanity is what these two words say. It's inclusive, and then it says, Together, Ashir veun, the wealthy, the rich, and the destitute. Ashir, the very, very wealthy, and also avion, not just someone who's poor, but someone who is destitute, that has nothing. So again, over and over we see in these first few verses, the psalmist making it very clear to us that what he's going to reveal we need to pay attention to we need to respond to it and it has relevance for all people no matter what category you fall into whether you're rich or poor no matter anything about you none of that is relevant if you're a human being this is for you this is what this psalm is is proclaiming now look at verse 3 in most Bibles, verse 4 in the Hebrew text. My mouth, it speaks the words of wisdom. Now, it's just a word, chokmot. Chokmot, wisdom in the plural. So to help us understand it, we would say, words of wisdom. And also his mouth, the speaker is saying, my mouth speaks also. Hagut libi. The meditations of my heart. And the meditations of his heart, where the words of his mouth are wisdom, the meditations of his heart provides understanding. And both wisdom and understanding is in the plural. Now, it's hard for us to translate that into English, but it's speaking about abundant wisdom, great understanding. He is someone that is revealing the revelation of God. This is what's being emphasized, and this is why it's so important that we respond. Next verse, he says, "Te le osni." I will incline to the example, my ear. Now, the word "mashal" can be parable, which is simply a statement that has wisdom, a statement that teaches us how to behave in light of the fear of the Lord. Meaning this, giving God priority of your life. So he says, I, and this is a, a strong suggestion, I would say it's a necessity, that all would indeed bend his ear, give ear to, incline his ear to this instruction, this example. And then he says, Eftach be khidati. Now I believe most Bibles will say speech some get it even more right. And the word "khida" is a riddle. In school, if a professor, a teacher is giving a quiz, they oftentimes use that same word "khida," And it simply speaks about something that requires one to think thoroughly through it. That it may not be as easily discerned as one thinks, it requires attention, thought, understanding, wisdom. You need to to exert effort in order to understand this example that he's giving. Now, it begins. That last part of the verse begins, "Eftach be Chinor." I will open up with a a violin. My my riddle. Now, why would he say that? Because. It's being put to music. And why is that significant? Well, we all know it's easier to to remember things if we sing them. And in the scripture, when something is put to music, it's to show this is something you need to memorize. This is something that you need to know, that you need to base your life upon, that you need to have access to this this information all the time. Verse verse 6, in the Hebrew 5 and other passages, it says, Lama ira bime ra. Why will I fear or should fear in the days of evil? Now, some will just say difficult time, but it literally is the days of evil. And what is that? This is when the enemy is at work, when the enemy is moving against you. And it can also have the, the connotation when the enemy is attacking you for your defeat. And it says, why shall I I give priority to that? There's an enemy. He wants to work against you. He wants to bring about your destruction. And therefore, you need to give that fact priority. And therefore, he says, we're at a disadvantage. Why? He writes, avon akavai yesuveni, which means, Iniquity, and the implication is his iniquity, my iniquity, your iniquity, is is surrounding our hills. He says, my hills. Now, the word hill speaks about a foundation. So the enemy, he, because there is iniquity, sin in my life, I'm at a disadvantage. My iniquity makes me vulnerable for the attacks of the enemy. It weakens me. So I need assistance. We'll talk in a moment what that assistance is. But he says, why should I give this priority? Well, the reason is that there's an enemy that's attacking you, and your sin has given him the authority to to bring about destruction, your destruction to attack the foundations of your life. And therefore, we have to say, what are we going to trust in? What is going to be the, the instrument of our defense, and he gives us two possibilities. Look now to the next verse, verse seven in Hebrew, six in, in English, it says, "Ha al The ones who trust concerning their wealth. That's what some people do. They take great comfort in the fact that they are financially secure, that they have abundant resources in this world. But is that going to help us against the attack of the enemy? So one philosophy is this, that there are those who trust concerning their wealth and in the abundance of their, their riches, they, they praise themselves. They take comfort. They take consolation. In fact, I got all of this. Look what I've acquired with my life. And because I have all of this, I'm secure. I am okay. I have enough to pay out what I need to to overcome these things. No, you don't. Because wealth of this world will not assist you. And then he says, look at the next verse. Ach lo, fado, yvday ish. Which means a man will not redeem. He utterly is insufficient to redeem a brother, meaning this: human help won't do anything for you in regard to this. When the enemy is attacking, I'm speaking about Hasatan, Satan, demonic enemy, unclean spirits, and such. When when they have their 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 attack, aim at you. When you are in their their aim realize. What can man do for you? Nothing. It is God and God alone. You need a supernatural savior. This is not a fleshly battle. This is not a a war of this world, but it's a spiritual battle. And therefore he says, see, a person can't redeem another. He says he is not able to give to God His atonement meaning that atonement of his brother. He can't do what's needed because you need a spiritual solution that uses the word kapara, atonement. There's something else that's needed that does not have a human, a worldly origin. It is a kingdom, a heavenly origin. So a man cannot give you anything in order to deal with the attack of the enemy. What is the solution? Well, now we get to something very important. We've seen this word in the previous verse where it says, a a man cannot redeem a brother. The word here is the word lifdot. It has a noun form, pidyon or padut. And we would translate it redemption. And it says precious. This word means of great value, a value that exceeds the the accounting of this world, something that is more precious, more important. It says here, precious, of great value, it has a heavenly honor, the redemption of their soul. So we're speaking about the redemption of one soul, it's in the plural, their soul, and then we have an odd expression, ve'chadal le'olam. Now, redemption brings about an end of the, the punishment, of judgment, of the authority, and hear this carefully, of the authority of the enemy in your life. When I am redeemed, I do not belong to the enemy. He cannot ultimately do anything against me. I am a child of God, not just because I was created, but because I was redeemed. That puts me into another category entirely. And therefore, he says, look at verse verse 10. It says, This one who has experienced redemption, he will live, More, and it can mean all the more so, forever and ever. Now, the word here, lenetzach, comes from a Hebrew word, which just doesn't mean forever, but the verb is to have victory. So we're going to have victory, experience victory forever and ever. And only, and hear this, only the redemption from God can give you eternal victory. This verse is so significant, he will live all the more so, forever for victory. And he will not see shachat. He will not see the pit. And this is the place of destruction. So through redemption, I will not experience, I will not see, I will have no knowledge of the pit. That is the place of destruction. What we would call in Hebrew, Gehinom or hell we're not going to experience that if you have the redemption of the lord now he moves on in verse 11 in hebrew 10 in your bibles word says key your a yamutu he will see the wise ones that they die death is in our future And it also says, together with the foolish and the ignorant, that they will perish. So everyone is going to experience death. You can't avoid that. The wise ones and also the foolish ones. The ignorant ones, the ones that do not respond to God's revelation. They all are going to die. They all are going to to perish. That's what he tells us. That is a fact. They all will die. They will all perish. And notice something else. Ve'azvu le'acharim And they will leave. Everyone will leave for the end, for others, their wealth. Want to get that right? They will leave for others their wealth. So there's a sense of futility. If I get all of this, but at the end, because I'm going to die, whether I'm wise or foolish, death is going to visit me, and all what I have in this world, I'm going to leave for others. Therefore, there's nothing lasting for me in the possessions of this world, the wealth of this world. there's futility. there is that which is, is in vain. so I need to focus in on something else, something that is proper. Now, in the psalm, he continues in this same vein about those who trust in wealth. He says, look at the next verse, their midst, that's what it literally says, the implication is, in their midst, in the inside, is their home and forever their dwelling place from generation to generation. This is what they think. Inwardly, they think that their homes are forever. Their dwelling places are for generation unto generation. And therefore, they call their names upon the earth, upon the ground. Meaning this, they want their name here. They want their name there. They want to mark their place. That's what they're about. They want to see their name in this world. So foolish, why? You know, you can have one of the most famous names ever of all humanity, and that name can appear in many books. It can appear in many buildings inscribed upon places. So what? Eventually, all of this world is going to be destroyed. No, where is the most important place that your name should be? I hope you know the answer to this. In the Lamb's book of life. Only there does it have an eternal character. There it will endure and last. If you have your name at some university, in some building of a prestige, in some historical annal, so what? Not that it's bad, but... So what? It doesn't have any lasting significance. In the kingdom of God, they're going to be speaking about those who are faithful in this world, not simply those who were famous in this world. So don't proclaim your name upon the, the, the earth, the, the lands of the earth. Verse 13, 12 in other languages. A man in honor will not remain. Now, the word remain here is a word for lodging. You go someplace to to settle, to stay there. And it's simply saying, a man in his honor doesn't, doesn't last. It's not always going to be. That honor is going to, if it's a worldly honor, a worldly respect, it's going to be forgotten. And it says that eventually he will be likened as the beasts, the animals that that they cease, that they die. So they're going to have the same outcome of the beasts of the field. They're going to experience death and that they're going to be forgotten. They're going to be replaced. Next verse. This is their way the way of foolishness that is to them so this is the foolish way that is to them and it says here and and there they are individuals that in their mouth what they want their end to be is in their mouth Selah. meaning they are proclaiming they are saying what they want their end to become here's the problem Do you want what you want or do you want what God wants? So many people, they want an end, they realize they're going to come to an end. They're going to die. And they want to die having reached, really, having achieved, arrived at some some position, some status, some sense of achievement that that might be remembered. That's what's in their mind. How foolish. We do not want what we want because our heart is deceptive. You say, but God can change that. Yes, he can. And when he does, you realize that what you want is not good. It's what God wants. So you change and you agree with him. So these individuals, they are proclaiming, they are are all about their end being what they want it to be. And what's the outcome of that? Well, look at verse verse fifteen and the Hebrew fourteen and other languages. They are like sheep that that are placed in Sheol, dead, and death will feed on them. Meaning this, that they're going to be devoured by death. They are going to be placed as sheep to the slaughter. But here it has as sheep is to the slaughter as sheep our are place, are killed, are, are dead, to go to Sheol. And it says, and the upright ones will rule over them at the morning. Now, it's interesting. Now, I'm looking at a, a different book. It's the book of Psalms, but there's something unique about it. Underneath the biblical Hebrew, they have modern Hebrew, which makes it a little bit easier to understand. They're giving thee the proper way of understanding it based upon how Hebrew is spoken today. And the term laboker for the morning, it speaks about a change that's coming where the ones who are upright will rule over those who are, are ungodly. And it's interesting because when it says laboker here underneath it, to help us understand it, it says, Le et HaYeshua the time of salvation. And the time of salvation is when God establishes his kingdom. It's speaking about that type of salvation, when victory is manifested in God's creation. So there's going to be a change. At that time, there's going to be judgment. The sheep, just like sheep, are placed in the slaughter and death overcomes them. So too will the upright ones rule over those at the time of God's kingdom, at the time of, of his victory. And he goes on to say, and their strength is going to, to wear away. All they have in this world, the honor, the prestige, the wealth, all of that is going to, to waste away. Where in death. It uses the term Sheol in the place of death when death visits them. And then it says... And that Sheol will be their dwelling place. This is where they're heading to. Not the kingdom, but the place that that is known as the location of death. Where there's no life. And here we're talking about kingdom life. No blessings, none of the promises of God. They are without hope. That is where one who trusts in wealth, they go to. Verse, Verse 16. 15 in your Bible. But God, it's only God can do this, not someone else. But God, he will redeem my soul. This is one who is kingdom-minded, one who responds to the revelation of God. But God will redeem my soul from the hand of, of death, from Sheol, and he will take me, Selah. Now, twice so far in this psalm, we've seen the term Selah which many see as a term of emphasis. And we have it saying, those who in what they proclaim, that they want their end to be, what's it going to be? Death. He wants to emphasize that. And likewise, those who trust in God, what is going to be their end? They're going to experience the outcome of God's redemption. And God is going to, ki, yichacheni selah, for he will take me, Selah. Verse 17, 16, and in English, do not fear, meaning this, don't give priority when a man becomes wealthy. When you see one who is ungodly, having success, seemingly joyful, happy, glad, he says don't don't give priority to a man becoming wealthy Four, he, he may abound in the honor of his house. He may, may acquire great honor in this world from the worldly perspective. Don't give priority for that. Why? For in his death, he cannot take anything. All what he acquires has no lasting quality, no eternal implications. It's going to be lost, for he cannot, when death comes, when he dies, he cannot take anything. But rather, it says here, his honor, his glory, will not go down with him after him. Meaning, he can't take it to where he's going, he his demise. Now, in Hebrew, we have this concept of death going down. Now, for much of the world, we have going down is punishment, and going up is reward. But, but at this time, everyone who died went to Sheol. Remember, there's two compartments. There's Gehenom, the place of punishment, and there's also Hek Avraham, Abraham's bosom, or paradise. So when he says you can't take it down with you, it means you just can't take it with you when you die. There's no means to do that. Next verse, verse 19 in Hebrew, verse 18 in other languages. For his soul, when he's alive, he will bless. He will bless his life, his soul, meaning it's an acronym for, for soul. For his life, during his, his time of alive, being alive, he will bless himself. And he will give thanks for the goodness that's to him. And this is goodness from his perspective. So while he's alive, he can do that. Bless himself, give thanks, praise himself for what he has now. But with that time of transition, all of that is going to to give away. All of that is not going to continue. Why? It says here, For you will go unto the generation of his his forefathers. So all are going to go to the generation of one's fathers. Meaning death is going to visit everyone. And it says here, And forever such a one will not see, they will not see light. Now, John tells us that God is light. They're not going to see light, meaning what? Well, Messiah talked about this. Yeshua said that those who are outside the kingdom are cast out outside into utter darkness. There's going to be no light whatsoever. So this is just picking up on the same theme, that they're going to go the way, be gathered up to their fathers. They're going to die. And they will never, ever see any light. They're going to be in darkness forever. Now let's look at our last verse where it says, a man in his honor, he will not understand. Now, what is that saying? Just this. When I am thinking about my honor, oh, how wonderful I am, what I have achieved, when I'm thinking about myself, I'll have no understanding. But when I see myself from God's standpoint, let me ask you a question. If if you were giving a spiritual exam, someone gave you that test, and here's the question on this exam. What is God's tool for, for teaching me how he sees me, for revealing to me what I truly am from God's vantage point? You know what the answer is? I hope you know it. The commandments of God, the Torah. When I encounter the commandments of God, I see his expectations for my life. What he expects me to do, uh uh-oh, I don't do those things. And what he expects me never to do, uh uh-oh, I do those things. Therefore, I see myself as a spiritual failure in need of forgiveness, of need of mercy, that there's no good within me. I agree with what the word of God says in Genesis about Noah's generation, that every thought, every inclination of my heart is evil continuously. I need help, spiritual help. I don't get that from a secular counselor. I don't get that from any other place than from the revelation of God. So the law of God is still extremely valuable that teaches me how I am spiritually before God. And that's why he says here, when I'm in my honor, when I'm pleased with myself, I don't have under any understanding whatsoever. And in that, what am I likened to? Well, he says it again. He said it earlier in the text when we look at at, a previous verse when he wrote here about us being likened to to the beasts of the field, I'm speaking about the end of, of verse 13 in the Hebrew, verse 12 in, in English, where he says that same phrase, "Nishma ke behemot And liken, he will be likened as the beasts that, that are slain, that have been made still, meaning they have no future. So when I'm about my honor, when I am taking comfort in what I've done, what I've achieved, what I've acquired, I have no understanding. I am no different than the beast of the field. And in that same way that they're going to perish and perish quickly. One day, so why? It is only when I say no to that philosophy, when I say I don't want to be a worldly person, I don't want to belong to that type but rather, I want to be kingdom-minded. I want to receive the revelation of God into my heart. I want to see myself as God sees me, so I can receive his mercy, his forgiveness, that I can experience his redemption, so I can become a new creation in Messiah, where my life becomes submissive to him, and I am a kingdom servant. That's what a true disciple of Yeshua, of Jesus is. A kingdom servant. So let me conclude with this question. Where are you spiritually? What type of person are you? Kingdom minded? Or are you still walking in foolishness with the ways of the world? Well, I'll close with that until next week. Shalom from Israel.